0: Hey, everyone. We hope you're having a great week. My name is Eric Johnson, and along with my wife, Candace, we are the lead pastors of Studio. We are based in Greenville, South Carolina, and we just want to take a moment and say hello and say thanks for listening to this podcast. So with that, let's get right to it. All right. Good evening. I hope you're well and I've had a good week. I'm looking forward to sharing tonight. And for those of you that are visiting for the first time, it's great to see you. Glad you're here. Anybody enjoying the weather right now? Yeah. Only a couple of you. I mean, this is like the best time of year, this and the fall. Well, I'm looking forward to tonight. Um, we, a couple of weeks ago, we started kind of a series. I don't know how long it's going to go. Anytime I do a teaching series, I actually don't know how long it's gonna go. And we at least have two weeks, but two weeks ago we talked about a topic called God on mute, God on mute. And we wrestled with the idea of free will and the will of God. And so if you weren't here two weeks ago, I encourage you to go listen to it. That's kind of the first section. We're gonna continue that tonight. But I'll give you a quick recap. As we wrestle with free will and God's will, Uh, I think it's safe to say we as humans love free will. We love the power to make our own choice. But for those of you that have been following Jesus for any length of time, how many have noticed that in sometimes in the most, if not almost all the time, in the most important decisions in life, God pushes the mute button. But yet he cared about what you eat for lunch that day. He he cared about what seems meaningless. It seems like... I'm glad you're talking to me about this, but what about this massive decision in front of me? And God just seems to go quiet. And we do all the Christian activity. We do all this fasting. We read the Bible more. Uh, we get prayer more. We talk to people and we go through this process. And, and then oftentimes God still is on mute. It gets even quieter. And it's this interesting dilemma that we are, and it's part of the human experience, especially for those that have said yes to Jesus. And we wrestle with the concept of free will, and sometimes we wish, we don't want to admit it, but we wish our free will could put on pause, and God would just make the decision for us, and then give our free will back. Let's be honest. How many of you wouldn't mind that every now and then? Just like, God, make the decision for me, and then I'll take my free will back. But yet, He doesn't do that, and I think largely because he's inviting you into a dimension where he wants to learn to dance in life with you, and you to learn to dance with him. So we wrestle with that. We also wrestle with the idea that sometimes obedience is made out to be the pinnacle of our relationship with God. Let's be really honest. If you look at the word obedient, it means to obey. Something is asked, and you obey that is the very entry-level, base level of relationship, is obedience. In fact, it's the easiest. Now, if you're in this room and you're like running from God, then obedience is a whole nother conversation for you, but I'm going to make a general assumption for those in the room that have said yes to Jesus, you don't wrestle with the idea of obeying God. You're like, no, if God said do something, it may take me a while to make that decision. I might have a hard time with it, but at some point I will obey him. I would propose to you, that's not the pinnacle, that's the, the entry level. So this whole idea of obedience is important. I don't ever want to diminish it, but I think we need to understand it's actually not the ultimate goal. Obedience is easy. In fact, I believe if If you only think obedience is how you will live your life, wrestling with free will and the will of God, then if God makes every decision for you, then you'll barely have nothing to give an account for at the end of your life. All you'll be able to say is, I obeyed you. And that is beautiful. There's so much beauty and honor and respect in that. But at the same time, he made all the decisions for you. And I believe he's looking to raise up people that know how to make beautiful, great decisions. And part of it is our construct around, especially in Christian circles. In Christendom, we we have reduced decision down to right or wrong. There's a wrong one and there's a right one and we view the world through a dualistic view of like where's the wrong one and what's the right one until we encounter major decision or any decision on our first thought process is sadly so common in Christian circles. What's the wrong one? Why, because most of our constructs and our relationship with God are built around not messing up. So we spend our lives not messing up. What kind of relationship does that define? That defines a relationship that I don't think is intimate. I think it's more fear-based. It's more orphan mindset, and it's more poverty mindset. And that's not the kind of relationship God is seeking to have with you. He's seeking to bring you into a level of relationship that is much greater and much superior to that. So we wrestled with that last week, and we wrestled wrestled with Christian superstition. How many have ever been in a moment in life where you have to make a major decision and you're looking for a sign? Two of you, okay. We are all looking for a sign. Like we take this job or should I move over here or should I leave my apartment and go to this apartment or or should I not date this person and date this person or should I move, you know, somewhere. There's all these major decisions. We're all like, okay, God, show us a sign. What's fascinating to me is we will always find what we're looking for. A squirrel can run across the road. And we're like, ooh, that, that could be God. I mean, that, that right there, that could be God because squirrels don't run across the road. We create these stories around these moments where we're like, is that God or is that me or is that just nature doing its thing? And this, what I call Christian superstition, we get superstitious, we're like, well, that's gotta be God. And if we are to be really honest with each other, I bet all of us have made a decision on something like that. We're like, it's raining today. That must mean I got to do this. Why? Because we're so longing for something to tell us what to do. There's a beauty in that. I think it's wonderful. I don't want to diminish that or get rid of that because that's deeply seated in your soul. But I want to introduce to you another reality that you're all invited into. So today, we're going to continue into part two of God on Mute. Did you know in the universe, there's no such thing as a straight line? There's nothing in creation that is perfectly straight. About 90% of you disagree with me right now. You're trying to think of an example in creation. There's nothing in creation that's perfectly straight. Anything that you think is straight, when you look at it closely, it's usually jagged or zigzagged. You have to be really lax on what you mean by straight to deem it actually straight. There's nothing straight in the entire universe. What about the horizon? It curves. What about a beam of light? Gravity bending it. Einstein showed that to us. So, there's nothing. What about a tree? It's not perfectly straight. You draw a ruler, and you take a pencil, and you draw a line on a piece of paper. You zoom in close enough, it's clearly not straight. So the whole idea of a straight line is actually a human invention. Why is this important? Because we have this thing that each of us have called timelines. I have never in my entire life have met somebody that is where they think they should be on their own personal timeline. I've never met a human being that built this timeline of I should be here by then, this should happen by this age, and by this point in life, this happened. I've never met one human being that said everything had played out exactly how I thought it would. Ever, never met anybody. In fact, every human, including myself, is nowhere near the point on the timeline that I have built in my own imagination. And the challenge with this linear thinking, there's nothing linear in the universe. Creation is too complex and beautiful to be linear. But yet our construct, why do we need linear? Because we need it so we can control it. So we can be in charge of it. We're trying to take something so expansive and dumb it down to a straight line. And the challenges with that is you are scared because if you make two left turns, guess what? You're now going backwards. If you make two right turns, you're going backwards. So we have a lot of believers, unfortunately, stuck and paralyzed because they don't want to get off the line. Because our entire construct around life is, okay, I'm on a timeline. I got to get to that point. And what happens when you don't get to that point you create a story of why you didn't get to that point. And the one that most Christians use is this. God must have not wanted it. So we just push it off to God. To God, Yep. Well, I guess that time I thought I was going to be at this point in my life, at this stage, and this would happen. And we have this whole expectation. If it doesn't happen, then we say God must have not wanted it. That is such a linear way of looking at reality. Now, you can stay in that space, you can continue to think in that way, but I'll tell you, you will live a life of great frustration. You will live a life of feeling stuck. There's never enough. I would like to just open some cans of worms tonight with you. and encourage you to get off of the linear concept and get into more of a dimensional reality. Every decision opens up a whole nother dimension. It's not a point on the timeline. And when you embrace a dimensional approach to life, it creates a lot more room for spontaneity. It creates a lot more room for adventure. In fact, you will find yourself recognizing nothing in my life is going to waste. But when you think linearly along a timeline, if it doesn't work out, you you think this, I just wasted the last X amount of years of my life. That's what linear timelines do to you. They make you feel like you've wasted your life. But when you think dimensionally, you begin to realize All those left turns felt like I was going in circles, but all it did was expose me to different dimensions of living and experiences and realities that now are coming into his place that nothing will go to waste. Are you guys with me tonight? Creation is way too complex to be linear. So we create stories when our stuff doesn't happen. We usually blame God. Maybe not blame him, but we say it's his fault. Or we come up with a reason like, I didn't do enough. I should have went to school for this. I should have taken that opportunity over here. I didn't know that I should have chose this decision than that one. And we create a story around it because our, our emotions need a story to live in. But when you think differently, when you think dimensionally, all of a sudden you step into a whole nother reality. So I want to encourage you tonight as we talk about this to understand that you're being invited into a dimensional reality of living life instead of a linear way of living life. I believe timelines are only helpful to organize moments in your life. That's it. But when your thinking is wrapped around a specific point and it's a straight line, I believe you'll leave your life entirely frustrated and hopeless and always striving, trying to get somewhere. Not realizing that nothing is wasted. In Romans 12, verse 2, it says this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let's stop right here. Do not be conformed to what? The pattern of this world. What is that implying? The way the world thinks has patterns of thought. Had a whole construct. There's actually world systems at play that we are all within. And Paul is telling the Roman church, he's saying, don't be conformed by that. So he said, renew your mind. This isn't once. This is constantly renewing your mind so you don't fall into the patterns of thinking that this world provides and that this world offers. The last part of the verse, it says, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. There's a great classic movie that I am not encouraging you to watch, but it's Napoleon Dynamite. Some of you have seen it, some of you have never heard of it, and consider yourself blessed. But Napoleon Dynamite is one of the classic, most stupidest movies, and the most hilarious movies you will ever see in your life. There's a character in this movie, and his name is Uncle Rico. Now, Uncle Rico, he's a middle-aged man, and he has never left high school in his mind. He is still in high school. In fact, the entire movie, he keeps bringing up this thing. He said, if the coach would have put me in, in the last game of the year, I would now be a professional athlete, if the coach. And so we have a joke in our house that when somebody is talking about the what ifs, or if that would have happened in the past, we look at each other and say, Uncle Rico, You can always tell if you're not ready for the future if you're trying to relive your past. You can always tell. You see, as we move through life, you're moving in and out of different environments. You're moving into workspaces. You're moving into relationships. You're moving into school environments. You're creating a home with a spouse or kids or friends. You're, you're creating all these environments in third places. And as you move in and out of these environments, what's happening in these spaces are unwritten rules of engagement. It's not on the walls. I can go into your home right now, and within an hour or two, I can tell you what are the unwritten rules of this home. Oh, it's not spoken, it's not on the wall, and it's all because of a value system that's in place. And so you learn to limit yourself in certain ways so you can exist in that environment. You learn to advance this part of yourself so you can be an added value to that environment, and you learn to hold this part back so you can exist in that environment. Some of you are living in relationships right now, and this isn't necessarily bad because in some context it's actually have to. You have to like keep parts of you in a certain way because it won't work in a relationship. And these are called limitations. And self-imposed limitations are the environmental construct that's based on a DNA, a value system, sometimes a mission. When you put all that together, it creates an environment that if you're going to exist in it, you have to do self-imposed limitation to exist in it. The easiest example would be going to school. You have to act a certain way in classrooms. Why? Because that environment demands that of you. And if you don't follow the limitations of that environment, guess what? You no longer are wanted there. This happens in your workplaces. There are limitations in every environment. Here's the challenge, is when that limitation is no longer external, it is now internal. And all of a sudden, these external limitations now become your self-imposed internal limitations. Now, they're fine as long as you're in that environment, but I I also recognize a lot of us are trying to move into a future. We're trying to step into a new space. And the challenge is if you don't recognize that you have self-imposed limitation, you will create the same environment you left where you are now. You'll just keep reproducing it because your entire construct of function works. And so you're like, if you don't recognize what they are and identify them, then you will always create it wherever you're at. You can change your school. You can change your house. You can change your city. You can change your job. You can change your church. And guess what? If you don't recognize these self-imposed limitations, guess what? That new thing is actually the old thing. The problem is we start blaming our environments. Man, this environment. Again, I'm I'm back in this environment. Once you do this two or three times, guess what? It's not the external reality. It's your internal reality. It's you. You're the one creating these environments. You're the one that's actually bringing this world with you everywhere you go. And all of a sudden, you can look back on your life, and you go, wow, I'm the common denominator in all of these situations. Some of you are so frustrated right now because you're experiencing the same thing you've been experiencing for 10, 15, 20 years. Guess what? It's you. It's these self-imposed limitations that are keeping you stuck. Now, you would think, man, I don't want to be limited. I don't have met a human being that said, I love being controlled by limitations, No one ever says that. Some of us are more lax than others, but at the end of the day, most people are like, I don't want to be controlled by any limitation. You want to be free. So wouldn't it make sense, like, okay, I recognize these self-imposed limitations. It sounds like, okay, I'm going to leave those, and I'm going to step into a space. It's actually a lot harder than we actually want to admit, because the moment you strip these self-imposed limitations from you, you now are naked, exposed, and vulnerable because you have a comfort, you know how to function. You know the construct, you know how to act, you know how to function, and they're just a knowing, I know how this works. And the moment you let go of that, you now step into a space that you have no idea how it works. And most people hate being uncomfortable and naked and exposed and vulnerable. And unless you're willing to have courage to navigate that next season, you will most likely take those self-imposed limitations and say, I want to go back to that way of living because at least I know how to function. Are you guys still with me? I feel like I'm more excited than you are. But that's okay. You're thinking. You're still debating if there's straight lines in the universe, and I understand that. Some of you are still stuck on that. You're like, that's not true. I'm going to send Eric a bunch of links tonight about straight lines in the universe. Go for it. Tell me when you find something. Tell me when you find something. So the question I want you to wrestle with tonight is this. Oftentimes your decisions about what to do are stuck in your self-imposed limitations You won't make decisions outside of your own internal limitations, and yet we make the same decision over and over and over, and we can't figure out why nothing's changed. I have a hunch that God's on mute for you to be confronted with this. Now Eric needs to figure this out. He needs to invite me into his life to confront these limitations that have been with him in different seasons and it's time for him to get rid of them. I'm going to read you a couple passages. Some of you need some biblical foundation for this. I'm going to give it to you. There's a story in the Bible. I mean, the stories in Scripture are just unreal, but there's one in particular that has transcended Christianity had transcended Christendom. It, it had gone into so many different cultures of beliefs and religions and unreligious environments. And it's a story of Exodus. It's the story of the nation of Israel leaving Israel or leaving Egypt to go to the promised land. This story has transcended cultures, has transcended time. It continues to be the gold standard of a people moving into their promise. Whether you're a believer or not, you hear people talk about the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey, because of this story in Scripture. Harriet Tubman was called Moses because of this story, so this story transcends and it's hard, I, I don't have the time to fully get the context, but just to kind of get everybody on the same page, especially for those that might not be super familiar with the story, but this nation of Israel had been in bondage and slavery for around 400, just a little over 400 years. And God sends Moses to set them free, and it's bizarre plagues that he sent to Egypt to trouble, and there's a lot more to the story, but begin to trouble the leadership of Egypt to the point that they finally said, get out. We let our slaves go, which is the nation of Israel. And it's 400 years of bondage, and they finally leave. They finally get let go, and it's a bizarre story, and I would encourage you to read it. The book is called Exodus because of that. It's a mass exodus. And the distance between Egypt and the promised land To take a nation there, scholars tell us it's about two or three weeks, on average. Just take two or three weeks to walk across the wilderness to get to your promised land. But instead, it takes 40 years. Why did it take 40 years? You can be in bondage for 400 years, but the moment you get freedom doesn't mean you're actually free. You see, it took 40 years to get Egypt out of Israel. And so we read this story In Exodus 14, I'll read it to you, verse 10. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up. The context is, let me stop there. The nation of Israel are out of Egypt. They're on the edge of the Red Sea. And the water's in front of them, and the Egyptian armies behind them. They're now trapped. So the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt? That you brought us out here to die. I want you to think about that for a moment. There's no rationale in that thinking at all. God took us out of slavery and bondage because the graveyards were full in Egypt. There's nothing rational about that at all. We'll continue reading the same, same passage. What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, Leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been far better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. That revealed to us that some of them never wanted to leave. Which I think is fascinating. Because it helps when you want to leave. But when you don't want to leave, here's the challenge. Wouldn't God want you to leave? Some of you in this room are like, God's like, move. Get out but you'd rather stay in slavery and bondage because you're comfortable there. I think it's worth mentioning that you think that 400 years would be enough motivation to go. It's proven it's actually not because it requires you to leave every self-imposed limitation behind and step into a space of feeling naked, exposed, and vulnerable. Then you fast forward another couple books in the Bible. Go to the book of Numbers. They're still in the wilderness. In Numbers 11, verse 4 and 6, it reads this, "...the rabble with them begin to crave other food." And again, the Israelites started wailing and said, "...if only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Also the cucumbers, melon, leeks, onions, and garlic." Praise God for onions and garlic. But now we have lost, lost our appetite and we have never seen anything but this manna. If you're not willing to let go of what fed you in the last season, you don't know how to move into your future. Some of you need to hear this. Some of you need to hear this. You're trying to eat the same food, hoping this will nourish you for an unknown world. And you have to be willing to let go of what fed you, what brought you to life, what sustained you, what supported you, what got you up every day. That very thing, you have to be willing to let go of that because those are actually self-imposed limitations for what God wants to take you. And here we have an example. The nation of Israel, you would think 400 years would be enough motivation to move into the future, into freedom. But instead, when they stepped out, too much of Egypt was in them. So God took them on a 40-year journey to strip them of Egyptian, not specifically culturally Egyptian, but the mindset of that era of slavery and bondage. It took 40 years. In fact, it took a generation. For the generation that left never made it. It was the youngest generation that actually stepped into the promise. The opportunity was there. I just couldn't do it. So this whole idea of like, man, it's so easy. Anything that limits me, I'm just going to let it go. You'd be shocked at what you don't want to let go of. I'm shocked at what I don't want to let go of because I like it. I'm comfortable. It may be limiting. I may keep me small, but at the same time, I'm good with it. But to move into your future, to move into the promises that God has for you, You have to be willing to be naked, to be exposed, and to be vulnerable. And God on mute sometimes is for you to learn this. I'm going to end with a few thoughts. Start making decisions that break off limitations and boundaries that are no longer for you. They no longer need to exist in your life because you're creating a future that is full of promise and beauty. Don't create a future with today's limitations. One thing I've learned in ending self-imposed limitations is you step into a space where you feel naked, vulnerable, and exposed. This is because the systems, processes, and clothes that you were wearing covered up what needed to be set free. It's not enough to just want freedom, but you have to be willing to come to face-to-face with yourself, your fears your need for control, and your own views of everything in existence. Your ability to make decisions and types of decisions you make is directly connected to how small or expansive and dimensional your thinking is. My entire desire to talk about this is so that you can move in more realms of freedom and not feel trapped and stuck inside a construct that you made up. This is my passion behind talking about God on mute. And we have to stop projecting this is God's fault. You're not big enough to destroy or mess with God's will. Some of you are acting like if you make a wrong decision, you're going to mess up everything. Guess what? If you do, He will get your attention. He's really good at getting your attention. So tonight, I want you to wrestle with this reality of, am I thinking linearly or am I thinking dimensionally? And I feel like the Lord wants to bring you into different dimensions of what it means to be human, what it means to live, and you'll recognize spontaneity begins to go up in your life. Thanks for listening, and we hope this talk benefits you in every way possible. For more information about Studio, you can go to studiogreenville.com or go to Instagram and look for studio.greenville. We would also love it if you would leave a review and hit those five stars. Other than that, have a great week, and we'll see you soon.